So at this time, we're going to have Jim come and share a message that the Lord has put in his heart to share with us this morning. Thank you, Mike. Uh, what a wonderful evening it was here at Victory yesterday, and what a wonderful morning today. Amen. God is at work in and through this church. Do you believe that? Amen. So I have experienced a number of miracles in my life over the years, and they have been so impactful, so astounding, so amazing. There is a number of people in my family, including me, that wouldn't be here today except for the miracles of God. But as amazing and astounding as miracles can be, how they draw you to God is the most life-changing thing. How God's powerful works, how his miracles draw us into him, into his presence. See, the natural response when you see God do something wonderful is, I want to see more. I want to see more miracles. But it didn't take me long in studying God's word that I changed my prayer to, Lord, I want to see more of you. Because the very desire that we have to see the power of God will in fact take place more and more as we see more of him. For example, the writer of Hebrews says, let us draw close to God. Our proximity to the Lord is exactly what should be greatest on our heart and in our prayers. Yeah, it's good to want more miracles. And if we want that, we will see that, I'm sure, in some part. But what's really good is to want more of God, to draw close with a sincere heart. And it's not just a matter of semantics. Sometimes people think, well, it's just a matter of how you're saying it. No, I don't believe so. I think there's something here in God's word that it's so important for us to see that's woven throughout the whole Old Testament and New Testament that our heart's focus should be to draw close to God with a sincere heart. No doubt God is a God of miracles. If I say that in a church like this, I'm sure everyone would agree God is a God of miracles. But why is it important to know him as the master of miracles? We could take time to talk about things that are going to happen in the end times. Jesus Christ himself said in the last days, you'll see false Christs and false prophets and they will do miracles. You can't preach on everything on a given Sunday morning, especially when you've got many wonderful things going on like we already have. But just note that the master of miracles, which is God himself, is indeed our focus and should be the focus of our prayers. Moses was having a conversation with God. Wow, that had to be really just amazing for Moses just to talk to God that way. And God said, look, Moses, I don't think my presence should go with you. Because if my presence goes with you, you're so, you're, your people are so stiff-necked and hard-hearted, I might just start killing them off. <laughs> wow, can you imagine Moses in that calling of an intercessor? And so he cries out to God and he said, God, no, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't even send us up from here. Because he knew how important the presence of God was. So God himself heard Moses' intercession, and this is what God says. I'm going to do the very thing that you're asking. And then in Exodus 34, in Exodus 34, this is what God said. I will do wonders never before done 
in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. All throughout the Bible we see when God does amazing things, he reveals himself, he shows the character of his kingdom, and he blesses his people. Those are several things we always see when God is moving in miraculous and powerful ways. He reveals himself, he shows the character of his kingdom, and we get blessed. If you look in the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews, chapter 2, at verse 4, leading up to verse 4, he's talking about this great salvation, and the writer says, God has testified to this salvation by what? Signs, wonders, various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. What was God up to when he was doing these things? Confirming the salvation, three things. Revealing himself, the character of his kingdom, and blessing his people. For example, when Jesus calmed the storm, the disciples said, What kind of man is this? When Jesus walked on water, he said to the disciples, especially Peter, who was sinking, Take courage, don't be afraid. When Jesus fed thousands of people at least two different times, he says, I have compassion on these people because they are as sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus raised the widow's son, all the people proclaimed, God has come to help his people. So what do we see in these miracles of Jesus? Confirming this great salvation? Three things. He's revealing himself. He's showing the character of his kingdom. And he's blessing his people. The character of his kingdom is to be Not afraid, but have courage. If you have a sense that you're in his kingdom today because you know the Lord, have courage. Don't be afraid. Have compassion. Now, you know, we were talking about this last night, praying before the meeting. I think, can you actually have more compassion than you have right now? Well, the Apostle Paul says to the Colossians, put on compassion. So it is something that we can reach out. So the character of God's kingdoms, we can reach out and have more compassion for people. I'm going to confess to you right now that there are times when I'm out in public and I see people and I know they've got a real problem, but my human heart says they're just getting what they deserve because I know what they've been up to. But that's not the heart of God. That's not the character of his kingdom. If we're going to see miraculous God do miraculous things, we need to draw near to him and have the compassion that he has. See people through the eyes of Jesus. Hear people through the ears of Jesus. Know people through the heart of Christ. That's the character of his kingdom. By the way, what is a miracle? If you look it up in the dictionary, it says an event that cannot be explained by natural or scientific means. That's why a lot of people don't believe in miracles. You know, a lot of our founding fathers were deists, and they didn't believe in miracles. Thomas Jefferson created his own scripture Bible by cutting out the miraculous parts of it. Why? Because natural mind cannot picture and fathom 
that we serve a miraculous God who's directly involved in the things of the world. So that's why a secular dictionary will just simply say it's an event that cannot be explained by scientific or natural means, which is why a lot of people don't believe in it. But what do Christians actually believe around the world that a miracle is? Well, I've read a number of definitions, both in written books and on the Internet, and here's one of them. A miracle is a direct intervention of God in the world. Okay, I get that a little bit, except God's directly intervening all the time. He's making the grass grow. The scripture says he holds all things together. If he's not intervening directly, we're in trouble. So I'm not sure that's the best definition of a miracle. Another theologian said, a miracle is when God works without using any means to bring about the result. But if you look at Jesus, when he multiplied the loaves, he was using the means of bread. When he changed the water into wine, he was using water. When he walked on water, he was walking. I walked across Lake Yankton to get here last February. (laughs) But the point is is that I'm not sure the definition of a miracle is not using natural means because Jesus used many natural means to do the miracles that he did. Another definition which I don't like the most is contrary to the laws of nature. And that's kind of painting this picture that there's a mother nature out there that's separate from God. That's how the world around us thinks. And you better not try to go contrary to the laws of nature. You know what? There's nothing out there that's nature that isn't God. So I'm not sure that's a good definition of a miracle either. But this is my favorite one. I believe it's true because it's biblical. A miracle is a less common kind of God's activity in which he arouses people's awe and he bears witness to himself. I love that. Do you know God's the only one who can be totally stuck on himself and it's okay? I mean, when he created things, he stood back, it says in the book of Genesis, and he said, that's really good. You know why he had to say it? Because there was no one else around to say, hey, that's really good. So God is revealing himself through an actual, what we would call a miraculous happening. How many have heard of C.S. Lewis? He wrote Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe and other books, and he wrote the book, a book called Miracles. Has anyone ever read Miracles by C.S. Lewis? So at one point, he says in the book, oftentimes we think of life as just like a two-story building. We live on the lower floor, and someday we'll go to the upper floor, which is heaven. But he said life is actually like a multi-story building. Yeah, And we still tend to just think of the lower level, which is everyday life. And some day we'll go to the upper story, which is heaven. But in his book, he says, we should learn to live in all those stories between here and heaven. I mean, after all, doesn't Paul say to the Ephesians that we're already seated with Christ in heavenly places? So we should be experiencing the miraculous God who loves to reveal himself to his people, show the character of his kingdom, and bless his people. So I love that illustration that C.S. Lewis uses. Experiencing the supernatural in God should really be an everyday experience. 
But the problem is the culture around us has become incredibly information-oriented. This is why many people don't believe in miracles, because if you can't explain it scientifically or in some natural means, it probably doesn't exist. So the culture around us is so information-oriented and so word-oriented and so scientific and just what the brain can see oriented that we're supernaturally handicapped. You know what's really sad? That's how the church is becoming. That's why I love coming to churches like this. Yeah, and everything doesn't happen exactly as you want. Things don't happen just in the, the exact time you want or the exact way you want, but as a church, you're reaching out to the miraculous God and just saying, Lord, reveal yourself, show yourself. Bless your people. Concerning the miraculous, we know what God plans to do because it's right there in his Bible. As I shared from Exodus 34, God said, this is the covenant I'm making with you, Moses. I'm going to do signs and wonders never before seen in any of the other places on earth. So we know God plans to continue to do miracles because we see it then in the New Testament. We know what the enemy plans to do. We've even heard it said a little bit this morning from Pastor Bob and Pastor Mike. They were saying, you know, the enemy is the enemy of you. He hates you. He hates the church. Thank God the gates of hell can't prevail against the church. But in the meantime, he lies a lot. Jesus says in John chapter 8, when the devil is lying, he's speaking his native language. That's exactly what it says in John 8. So we know what the enemy plans to do. He plans to continue to try to kill the miraculous. Even in the church. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? Do you know what the enemy tried to do after that? Not only kill Lazarus. I mean, process that in your mind. If you're a religious leader, I don't care how weird you are, why would you try to kill someone that just got raised from the dead? It doesn't make any logical sense. But the scripture says they set, to, set out to kill Lazarus and Jesus. So we know what God plans to do. He plans to continue to do miraculous things. We know what the enemy plans to do. He plans to continue to try to kill miraculous things. The question for us today is, what do we plan to do? What do we plan to do? I hope we plan to live in all, thy, all these stories in between earth and heaven until the day Jesus returns or we die. You know, there's some people that really emphasize <clears throat> how unpredictable God is. I hear people saying all the time, man, we had such a great meeting. Last night, God showed up. Okay, but other people emphasize the verse, like from Matthew 18, where Jesus says, Where there two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. So we could ask the question when it comes to God the miraculous, is he predictable or is he unpredictable? And the answer is yes. <laughs> He's predictable in all the ways he says he will be predictable, but unpredictable when the Holy Spirit moves in our lives. For example, <clears throat> The writer of Hebrews quotes from Deuteronomy saying 
God says, never will I leave you or forsake you. The writer of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 8, says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what that means to us today? 2018, Ballotin, Minnesota, same Jesus that walked on water, same Jesus that multiplied the loaves and fishes, right? Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Predictable. Hebrews 12, 28, God's kingdom cannot be shaken. We don't have a lot of earthquakes around here, but I tell you, one time I went to speak in Mexico City. I planned my trip, and little did I know, a week and a half before I got there, they had this huge earthquake. And as I preached all around Mexico City, which at the time was the largest city in, in the world, I preached at these centers of faith all around. I had one message. We have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And I shared the good news. People came up by the hundreds to give their lives to Christ. And by the way, this is just kind of an unusual happening, but as we were going down the line praying for people, I was speaking in English, had to be translated in Spanish. My interpreter looked at me and said, there's no way we're going to be able to do this with all these people. Just pray in tongues over them. So I'm just going along, blessing each one, praying in tongues. And all of a sudden, this one guy just like so animated, so excited. I said to my er, interpreter, why is he so excited? He says, you're speaking his native dialect. Do we believe in the miraculous God? Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be that incredible. And it shouldn't be that unusual is the word I'm looking for because it's God. So is God predictable or is God unpredictable. Well, he's both. And so there's only one way for us to proceed in our lives and this church to proceed as a church drawn near to God. I'm going to shorten this message just because we've been here for quite a while. And I'm going to ask to go to the last scripture, which is Hebrews 10. God reserves the right to be unpredictable God reserves the right to be miraculous when he wants to be in whatever way he chooses. And in Hebrews 10, the writer has told us crystal clear, let's draw near to God with a sincere heart. If we want to see the things that God wants us to see, which is really on our heart, there's one thing to draw close to, and that's a person, and it's God himself. And you think, well, I don't know. I just feel, can I really do that? I remember when my father would come home from work, and if I had done the chores correctly, and I had pleased my mother, I could confidently go to my dad and say, Dad, what are we going to do? But if I didn't mow the lawn, and if I had talked back to my mother, I had no confidence to go to my father and say, can we play catch? Instead, I hid in my room until I heard him walking up the stairway. And that's how we are with Father God. We don't have a confidence, but Hebrews 10 here says we can have confidence, not by what we did right or wrong, but through Jesus Christ, who washes away everything we did wrong and puts us in a right position 
with God the Father. And so there's three things that bring us to that place of drawing close to the miraculous God who is all-powerful in its confidence, sincerity, and assurance of heart. Right there in Hebrews chapter 10 in these verses that you see projected behind me. How many believe God's a miraculous God? Amen. How many want to draw close to him? How many want to have such a proximity to Christ that you can't put a sheet of paper between you and him because you've drawn close to him? See, there's nothing that's going to change the sacrifice of Jesus. And there's nothing that's going to change if you have given your life to him as Lord and Savior. But there is something that can change in your life. You can draw near to Christ each and every day. And I'm not telling you this as someone who does it right all the day, every day. I'm just telling you as a person just like you, this is what I want to do. Let's pray. Father, we are moved in a new and a fresh way, even seeing these verses in your word today. What a wonderful God you are to reveal yourself to your people, to show us the character of your kingdom, and to bless us. And Lord, it's our heart, even as we leave here today, that we might fulfill the truth of Hebrews 10, draw near to you with sincerity, assurance, and confidence. So I ask that for each one seated here that has heard these words today, Lord. That you would remind them in such a clear way from Hebrews 10 that we can have confidence through Jesus Christ, sincerity of heart, and assurance. Many times we look at the wonderful things that God does, but they're all like so many train cars behind the powerful engines, which is God. So let's make sure we put drawing near to God as first and foremost, with confidence, with sincerity, and with with assurance. Amen. Mike. Amen. Thank you, Jim. At this time, we will receive an offering for Truebridge, Jim. At this time, I'd love to put some of the new deacons to work, too. Come on. Let's uh, pray over this offering, and I want to just share a few thoughts about Truebridge as we are receiving it. Monty. Father, we thank you for the abundance of blessings in our lives, God, that you desire us to draw near to you, that you will do everything in your power to draw us to yourself. And I pray you would just extend greater grace for each one of us that we would take those opportunities to draw close to you. 
Thank you for the blessings that you give us in the area of finances, Lord, that we can be a blessing to others. We ask you to bless each one as they give towards this offering and the furtherance of the ministry of Truebridge. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are writing a check, just make it out to VCC. It all goes to Truebridge. For those of you that are maybe not as familiar, um, been newer or visitors, Truebridge is a fellowship of churches that we are a part of. It is based entirely on relationship amongst a group of churches. We're probably approximately, help me Jim, 26, 8 churches, something like that, uh, in the Midwest, but not exclusively in the Midwest, that fellowship, and, and Jim has been the leader of Truebridge for, well, since its uh, inception uh, of Truebridge, and if you're aware and have been following things recently, there's been a transition in just a sense April. The transition was in process for the last three years, but Jim is now serving Doug Wing, the pastor at Grace Life Church, as the leader of Truebridge, and uh, he's not gone. He's been an amazing influence in this church for many, many years, and he's still that, even though Doug is now leading Truebridge. Uh, we will be getting Doug down here. For some of you that don't know Doug, a younger guy, great guy. Um, who the leadership team at Truebridge uh, really recognized as the next guy to be leading Truebridge. So uh, when we receive this offering, it is an honorarium, but Jim has, for years, gives honorariums go right into Truebridge. And when Truebridge is out uh, helping churches, Jim and Doug uh, go to different churches, and there's a job description. I just call it, they're kind of the, the paramedics. That's not all they do. But believe it or not, there's trouble in churches once in a while. They get called in for those kinds of things. But also they're involved in the training and the leadership, the conferences, everything that Truebridge does. So uh, we as a church, because of your generosity, have been a supporter of Truebridge for years financially. And we continue to do that on a monthly basis. So I um, can only thank you so much because there are so many churches that don't have resources, uh, probably couldn't bring in people like Jim or Doug with their own finances, and we are a part of that organization. And I call it an organization hesitantly because it is all based on relationship. So with that, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for all that you've done in our midst this morning. God, we thank you that... Uh, we have a God who loves us, who's very real, very personal. God, that you have a plan and a purpose for each one of our lives and a destiny for us as individuals and as a church. God, we are so thankful this morning for all of these leaders that were up here. But God, I thank you for all the leaders that are in this body and in this congregation. Every man and woman that is here, every young adult that's here, God, that there is leadership, there is servants' hearts. So Father, we pray today as we go our separate ways that that you are leading, guiding, and directing us, that we are responsive to your Holy Spirit in every way. pray you would bless us, protect us, watch over us. We ask all this, that you'd be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.